Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10. This is episode 42, and today, for his second time on the podcast, we've got a, a super great guest, and that is CCP Rise. Uh, say hello, dude. Yay! Hi. What's up? <laughs> so welcome back, and joining joining us today are both Ten and Casper. Say hi, guys. How's it going, fellas? Hey, guys. So today, like normally, we kind of get into um, what we've been up to lately. Uh, and all that kind of stuff, but we're not going to this episode. We're just going to hammer the entire episode because CCB Rise is here, and we're going to talk about all kinds of balance stuff. Um, so big, big episode on balance. Uh, it's going to be fairly high-end, so um, if you don't understand parts of it, maybe go listen to the other 41 episodes we've done. <laughs> but first, uh, you know... Uh, I, I guess Casper, you wanted to you wanted to have a little feud about beer, didn't you? Right? Yeah. Well, you know, Rise and I are from the same area of the world, and we're well known for our beer. But I was uh, having a little argument of BC versus PDX beer. So, uh, t- you want to tell me a little bit about your argument? Just just saying, and then Rise will tell us his favorite beer, and I will confirm whatever it is because it's from Portland. Well, I don't know, man. Like. I, I'd have to go to Portland and check it out, but the the craft beer scene in Vancouver has been like like up there for a decade now. So I don't know. It'd be a pretty good beer off between the two cities, I think. It'd be a lot of fun actually. But uh, Rise, your favorite in the area? Man, it's a tough call, and it's funny because I've um my my like beer journey feels really accelerated. I'm basically back like i feel like old man i'm doing like light beer i'm drinking like a <laughs> 10 barrel pub beers you know those yeah yeah, and the white cans and the white cans yep. i love those and they're like 50 cents each and so Super it's cheap. it's like my retirement beer i feel like if i had to pick like a favorite craft i don't know why but the first thing that popped in my head was wanderlust which is okay. a breakside beer any of those like northwest IPA. I don't have any like super boutiquey ones. I actually usually am happier with the like standard, like the the breakside and ten barrel stuff that they mm-hmm. just stick to really consistently. Although I feel like a bit of a uh, I don't know like a, a, a trader right now because I actually in my hands have a Lagunitas beer, which is a oh, no. California beer. So I apologize for that, but. That's okay. I'm about to jump in here and and tell you all that in fact New York City breweries are better. So, oof. We should we should talk about beer one entire episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> I mean, another thing, I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance, but uh maybe similar to BC Iceland's uh craft beer scene is like totally booming and there's actually really good stuff there as well, which is awesome. When I started, when I first started going to Iceland they were still like only on Danish lager and Guinness or whatever and now they now it's a lot like Portland there's like six different craft breweries and well something else I like just as much as be, uh, be, as beer is uh is coffee and this is episode we have a sponsor 
And uh, and that is 07 Coffee Company. So 07 is a coffee roastery based out of the United States with the goal of providing you a premium cup of coffee no matter where you are. Whether you're out camping with the family, stuck at the office, or kicking over your fifth Athenor at 3 a.m. in the morning, 07 has delicious options for you. For premium coffee at retail rates, go to 07coffeecompany.com and use the code NANO at checkout for 10% off. And like one thing I really liked about these guys, I didn't get to try this one product, but they have like a single use like tea bags with pre-ground coffee in them that you can just take to work or whatever and just add hot water. I thought it was really neat. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really neat idea for like when you're on the go. But they did send up some samples and uh, I had their special, which was like a really nutty like medium roast. And I was playing with my espresso machine with it and I got some really good results, but I really liked it in my Chemex, like it's like a pour over. So anyway, that was, so that was, my, a, was my jam. Not to stop us on beer and coffee the whole time, but is this like a actually Eve themed coffee company? Kind of. Like, so is it um, 07 for Eve? Like really? Yeah, it, it it it's a family run business and uh one of the members is an Eve player and uh the 07 is uh it kind of breaks down with with um, it's like a, a salute is the way they're treating it. Um, yeah, in, which in is marketing. what it is. But yeah, Eve as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it did. Wow. It started. The name came from a text message that uh, the Eve player had sent his father with a an O seven, and his father just really liked it, so they named their roastery after it. <laughs> nice. Pretty and cool, Nano, guys. So yeah, that's a, a discount. I like that. That's especially for us. That is especially for that's us, guys. So cool. so showing some love. All right, well, let's get into the bulk of our discussion. Um, so this, we might jump all over the place here, guys. Bear with us. There's so much we want to get through, and we'll kind of go through themes. So something we'll start, we'll kind of just go down our list, and I want to start with Abyssal Mods as, as kind of the theme of the first little bit. So one thing when, because you were on the team that, that launched Abyssal Mods, right, Rise? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I specifically remember you saying one thing I thought was really good when I first saw this is you mentioned that in the future, you can change the numbers that they can roll, essentially, like the the how far positive or negative they can roll. And those numbers would then be adjusted on previous mods, which I thought was a really smart way to do it. Just eliminate legacy mods type things, right? Yeah. So it's been a while and you guys have added more mutaplasmids uh like in like things like siege weapons for capitals and stuff like that but we haven't seen any balancing done where, where kind of are we on that do we think they they need it do you guys have any experiences with with really broken abyssal stuff or what's up there i mean yeah we haven't nothing has really stuck out so far i don't know if it's the nature of abyssal mods being just you know, the the sort of combination of cost of entry, the complexity to use them, the the complexity to trade them. Like, I don't know if all of that put together means that balance issues that really do exist don't stand out and we just don't notice them much. Or if it's just that there there actually isn't major balance issues. But it it hasn't even really come close to being on the radar that we need to make changes to any specific mutaplasmids. I know when we were launching them, there was a ton of nervousness, especially about tackle. Um, and, I, and I know that it's true that they're very strong, um, but also we, I don't know, we haven't really had any reason to uh, 
go and make changes. Now, one thing it makes me think about you bringing it up is that we do not have, um, it would be pretty tough for us to notice that something needs to change based on metrics. I mean, we have a few ways we get, you know, pointed to stuff that needs changing our own gameplay, like some version of player sentiment, you know, feedback, whether it's from CSM or wherever. Um, Reddit, you guys pinging me. I, I've actually, I'm pretty excited these days. I have a pretty awesome, like, built up set of people giving me feedback directly or that I can go to directly for feedback. So there's that. And then there's metrics. But Abyssal mods, like, unless they start really, I don't know, causing a problem in a specific area that's either affecting our gameplay when we're playing or, so you know, you guys, so that a bunch of people start complaining, we're, I don't think we're going to see it because they their usage is obviously going to be pretty minimal compared to standard mods. Like, I don't think Abyssal mods are ever going to show up on any... Uh, yeah, it's hard any to make a standard fleet fit out of them because they're right. unreliable to roll. Yeah, which, which has just, I think, worked out so well for their balance. Like, because they, they scale so badly, um, it's really tough for them to seem problematic because in the places where they're the most powerful, for the most part, they're benefiting someone who's already uh, disadvantaged in other ways because the big groups or, you know, big fleets or whatever can't take advantage. I'm, there's going to be special cases where they can, like if, if, if uh, running some small fleets, always hard because big fleets can always afford to have some super long range um, Orthrus or whatever, I don't know, you know, something that can pin you down easy, maybe that would start to stick out as a problem, but for now it hasn't, and uh, yeah, I haven't really just haven't That's heard interesting, any because we, doing Small Gang, really notice the difference when someone does or doesn't have Abyssal Tackle mods. Mm -hmm. um, not on most ships, though, when, if we talk about implants, this will come up also because it's a big thing in low sec is like the because there's a lot more one v one, two v one kind of stuff there. But um, on on ships that have multipliers to some of those stats already, especially Hugens and Lachesis and stuff, yeah, mm -hmm. it it makes a huge difference for our gameplay. Right. It's always tough to sort of identify when something is is causing more harm than good. I think it's pretty clear that Abyssal mods overall have done a lot more good than harm, but I don't I don't know what it would take sort of for like the, that situation if it's if it's uh, smaller scale causing problems, you know. I don't mean day. it's like abs absolutely the end of the world. Um, honestly, the, the Marauder change feels much worse in terms of how Defense Fleet reacts to us. Um, than Abyssal's did, oh, but... That's interesting. Excited mm -hmm. to hear about that. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, we we noticed to the point where, like, the people who show up with the Max Abyssal bling Hugens, like, we know their name. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it just changes the whole shape of the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like... I, I really like Abyssal mods. I like making my fits. Like I like eking out every bit of fitting by like rolling even cheap mods to like get more performance out of them and stuff like that. And I, I think like generally they are pretty well balanced with, with probably with the exception of like the ability to just stack layer on layer, like a max web range, you know, Hugin, because you have like the recon bonus, you have the abyssal bonus, just gets amplified by heat and then 
you get links on top of it. Right. And there's no stacking then, penalty there. You and know. then like scrams on Bargists and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely like, yeah, and I mean, I mean those were huge... the two, the two most nervous areas were tank stuff, which we still stayed away from resistances other than damage controls and, uh, and tackle stuff just because there are yeah. those cases where it's already got ways to push it to really big extremes and abyss mods just, yeah, like you say, amplify that a lot. I do think they have helped out our style of gameplay more than they've hurt us, honestly. It gives us an, an exponent to even, you know, uh, exploit even higher. And for, you know, a little, I say, you know, we're definitely the little man here. And it's been so we have more control and a little bit more power in our five to 10 man gangs. So, yeah. as much as I want to whine about it, you know, <laughs> versus like a unique or something, but honestly, I think they're really good for, for our small gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it feels uh, I've been trying periodically to introduce stuff that favors that that's like you know um, anti-scaling incentivized so that small groups or independent people or whatever have more to gain from using it than big ones and i think that was one of the this in general abyss mods is probably the most successful example of that in a way it's just there, there might be a few cases where big groups can take advantage but for the most part it it really really favors people who can manage their own fitting and can get more out of like the performance of a few individual mods on their ship rather than needing their whole fleet to do something differently for it to matter. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't mean to say that abyssal mods are like killing small gang or anything because they're absolutely <laughs> not. Um, it's just the, the only times when it starts to feel a little much to me are on those sort of edge cases where you bonuses stacking with bonuses yeah, well, yeah, complicatively yeah. without any kind of, you know, you don't get a a stacking penalty for putting an abyssal web on a Hugin or you anything like that. Times when you just need a carries to counter it. Yeah, but it it yeah. does raise this kind of cool talking point about ISK, right? And like like how much when when you're so let's say you're thinking of a of a change or or even a new module or ship, like how much do we weigh ISK? on the balancing scale like does it matter does it matter a little bit like i mean triglavian stuff is kind of a, an example of this as well because like is the draugr really strong yeah but it's also like you know a draugr a fit draugr is a bill at minimum right like so it's kind of interesting yeah. what do you what do you guys think on like isk versus balance i mean man these days that's like such a it's so much more of an interesting topic than it used to be because it's already tricky to figure out, I think, and then now we've stacked on top of it this like kind of overarching goal to like um, increase cost and the feeling of consequences, so that so that across the whole game, basically, or at least from like the mid to the top end, uh, everything feels like it matters more. Like the company kind of picked up this this. Uh, you know, uh, motto of uh, been maybe a year and a half now, two years, and that, that that like there was a problem with abundance and a problem with access to money, and that nothing felt like it was important enough. And so now, with everything, there's more of a focus on cost and pushing it even further as a balancing factor. Like that that any extra power you get should come with like pretty pretty heavily increasing cost. Um, and we're still sorting through that, I think, trying to figure out where we need to land because 
Um, the thing that stood out to me most in the last couple of years about cost is that it just is so directly correlated to participation. Like, I mean, that seems obvious, but Edencom is the big example for me right now where we still can't even really tell where those ships would be because they were just priced out of being used uh, for the most part. And I think with with Abyss stuff, it it lined up well with its target audience. Like it's expensive and that's fine because the people we expect to using it and gen expect to be using it in general are more likely to spend more per ship and they kind of die less often or um, I don't know. The like it, it, it fits who it was targeting, but in the cases where we've gotten out of line with that, like we want something to be widely used and it ends up too expensive or the opposite, like the the scary thing is we make something too cheap that's actually really powerful and then it just becomes like totally um, in everyone's hands all the time, which which can be really bad. But it's all pretty like we don't have a super strict system for how much cost belongs with how much power or what kind of power. I think it's always like this negotiation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the nice thing about the abyssals, you know, in terms of the pricing system, is that they, they kind of grade themselves, mm -hmm. and you can you can say, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to spend four billion isk on a micro warp drive for this dragger, but I'm definitely going to spend more than fifty, so maybe I'll get like a two hundred and fifty mil one, something like yeah. that, because it's, and it scales, you know, sort of with the, with the power of it, though, like that last. 2% or that last, you know, half kilometer of range on your scram is what costs you 80% of the price of the module. Totally. And it has the benefit of being uh, sourced in a way that helps balance the price as well. Like if something is so powerful that everybody wants it, then prices on the muta spike, then that drives people to go far more of that abyss weather. And there's some self-checking in the yeah. way the supply works as well, which isn't always the case. Uh, in other areas, like because the supply is too tied into the whole market or whatever, like since these are very specifically can be very specifically farmed when the price gets out of control, it, it helps keep them in a range that actually makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just scare everyone who rolls abyssal mods for money here and ask, do you? I know you. We know you can change the you know the sort of the top end and the low end range of the rolls. Mm -hmm. Can you change how likely it is to go one way or the other? No, it's so uh... no. Oh, no. It's not it's not weighted towards top or bottom at all. It's always right now it's always an even I think there so if I remember it's funny I haven't worked on them in a while now but there's there's just a range set and there's just an even chance for anything in that range. So the chance of negative versus positive is just based on the way the range is weighted. So like with the fitting penalty on all of them it's weighted low like you're more likely to increase fitting requirement just because because the range a, goes on further fitting, that way yeah it goes further that way and the, yeah. the way it works is it just rolls with an even chance pretty sure <laughs> I, I remember us talking some about having like a weight some kind of curve on the chances but i don't think we did that i think it's just even yeah across the whole range and that is actually it just rolls a number between zero and one and then we just apply that to the range that's set on yeah. the you know gotcha. like i was just curious if if a potential balancing tool was 
increasing, essentially increasing the cost of generating high-end abyssal mods by making them less likely or making yeah. quote-unquote failed ones more likely. I mean, we totally could do that, but I really just, like, it's already to me kind of a, uh, it's not it's not a totally transparent system. And to me, if we had, like, waiting in the roles, it would make it, like, unless we were telling you, hey, this is the curve for the chances of getting something yeah. on here, then it just becomes, I, f I feel like we're just, like, sort of lying to people. <laughs> Like yeah, if you're that just makes rolling sense. a bunch and, and expecting an even chance of rolls, but we're actually waiting at a ton towards a certain part of that spectrum, then it just feels like pretty crappy. So yeah, and you can get um, the same net result by just pushing the the exactly. low end further down. Yeah, I'd rather just push the range. So like with with say scrams are completely out of control, we could just push the fitting penalty to be way worse than it is. Like instead of going to one point five CPU increase it could go all the way up to three times cpu increase or whatever and then that would at least be clear what you're right and you'd see the visualization and like yeah have it have it be more transparent that makes sense i will say there's there's so many other ways that they could be configured in general and i i hope at some point to do like a different style of mutaplasmid like one that like uh always rolls negative on one thing and always rolls positive on another, or um, ship ones, or uh, I don't know what, like ship we can do. scare me. That's <laughs> yeah, scary. I love the idea of ship ones, other than the fact that it makes, I think it's, it's nice for ships to have fixed stats so that you know what to expect from them. And if their stats as well as their modules get. Uh, as long as you know, you're variable, rolling like power grid, Maybe, but like, if you can roll a bigger web range bonus on your Hugin and then put an abyssal <laughs> web on it, like uh, it would <laughs> probably never be. I don't think it'd ever be bonuses because bonuses are are actually set up on the ships in like a pretty obnoxious way. And yeah, I imagine anyway. interacting with the skills and everything. But you could do things like yeah. fitting. You could do like eight like HP numbers. You could yeah. do base fitting, velocity, HP, any of the speed stats, any of the electronics and sensor stats. Yeah, um, SIG would be a big deal. Yeah, that'd be super and cool. Actually. We talked about too for uh, if we did it for for caps or for for other special purpose ships. There'd be weird things you could do, like you could change the jump range on caps with immunoplasmid or change uh, you know other other big stuff like that that's baked into the base of the ship mm. but I yes. don't know I don't know if I don't know if well, one thing I was actually thinking uh, this came up recently that sounded just interesting to me is to rather than like basically use the mutaplasmid system but not have this totally wide open range of potential attribute variations instead just have them be fixed so you could have like variations of ships. So like, say you have an Edencom velocity mod, it's kind of like a rig, but it basically just re-rolls the, or it, you know, it shifts the base stats in a fixed way, but has like some trade-off ones as well. So you, you have a Edencom thorax that goes 20% faster, but has 50% less HP. And that's just always what it does. And it could, it could use the same system where we drop an item that you apply on the ship and make it a singleton forever. And it's called an Edencom thorax instead of being, uh, Something gotcha. you could destroy yeah. and refit. Like, and then and, it's and sort it of is, predictable and that like you see that and you know or you could yeah. know what it is. Right. So it's not making this like wide open, 
well, now this Eden Thorax could be kind of anything depending on how they roll their base stats. It's like, oh, I know this is the specific variation of that ship. Hmm, that's interesting. All right. Well, we should probably wander on from Abyssal Mods <laughs> before we spend the entire episode talking about them. I told you well, we let's... could go for a long time on <laughs> yeah, all these topics. We can. But let's get into Marauders because we already mentioned it and you seem pretty interested to, to hear about it. Yeah, I haven't heard. I mean, I've been watching uh, changes in behavior on stats, but I haven't. Yeah, I was actually curious what you have seen there. Um, I know people are using them like crazy for incursions now, and I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bounties, bounties are in which is not obviously a perfect indication because, um, well, actually, it, it, it does work out pretty well. There's twice as many people, there's twice as many characters using Marauders for PVE now than there was before the change. Okay. So, that's How pretty much double. That's a pretty big change. That's a pretty big change. And PvP, like I just checked one, I could check a couple other metrics, but the the damage output uh, that they do per day just from the class has about six X um, from before the change. So that lots of people sense. using it, but they're still way down, of course, like in the in the grand scheme of things. Like their their daily output is like still whatever one tenth of the yeah i think that classes. you'll see that change a little bit as more people skill into them obviously mm -hmm. because not mm -hmm. everyone was into it but um they are now the go-to like super try hard kill the small gang ship oh yeah they're oh yeah so because good, honestly you can put 1600 dps out to 200 kilometers yeah they're pretty insane. I got really frustrated when we were working on them because I felt like no matter how insane I made them, everybody was like, oh, they're still stupid. You have to be sieged, so you can't use them for anything. And I was like, fine. You know, I... I'll make them do <laughs> a million damage and siege for 30 seconds because apparently it's totally unworkable for them to... You know, my original, my original plan for them was make them siege longer so that they were clunkier to use in PvE. Like, you got insane damage, which sped you up, but then you had to wait longer between rooms or between warps yeah. or whatever and that in pvp they would now be completely insane but you'd be you'd be stuck in spot long enough that you'd have to be pretty careful about not getting baited or whatever because you could get killed inside a cycle but yeah we were often like in general in small gang like the one minute cycle was too long for us people would use them without ever bastioning mostly yeah exactly and so we lowered the cycle but then we still had the <laughs> the like with a with a thirty second cycle, the damage buff probably should have been about half of what it was. But um, yeah, eh. it's also a really expensive class to go back to price. Like it's it's not cheap in terms of skills uh, or money. I would rather see a Hodred on grid. Really? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Hodreds are a lot more expensive, and they're a well. Never mind. Can't talk about it. Their price is going to change again soon, probably. <laughs> One thing with the Marauders, though, is like, I feel like the groups that use them against small gangs were already using really difficult to fight things. Like, so now there's. For Hugans. Yeah, well, you like, can tracking disrupt materials. You that's, can't, that's the you, thing. There's it's... no counterplay to a Marauder except like drop a Hodred on it. Yeah, you kind of have to just kill it. It crushes like the the three to six man gangs. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, there's nothing you, you can do. Actually, can't answer it. Yeah, yeah, because right. you you literally can't 
ewar it you can't exist on grid like i mean if it's already you could get up really close but you know usually you're Even having to like you grappled, fight as you're running you know no no i'm by close i mean like you know 30 like yeah if if it's already if it's if it's auto cannon, you're in the case of a Varger, you're kind of fucked if you're up close or far away. And if it's already, you're completely fucked if you're far away from it. Like, it just they volley so hard. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say we're we're nerfing them tomorrow, but I think it, it felt like very strong set of changes by the time we shipped it, like over the top yeah. from my perspective. And but that you know, I we are in general trying to move towards. Like we still fail at this a lot, making like I would rather, and I think that the team in general would rather make really strong changes to push things towards whatever we're trying to make happen, and then reel back or tweak. And we've been working now for a year and a half with the ability to move pretty quickly on those iterations. There's no like major friction to stop us from doing that, and so it's just better when we can make stronger changes so that we get a good read off of their effect rather than inching closer to what we want over to like five releases. Right. Yeah, 100% so hundred percent agree. Like the the number of changes and the, the dramatic size of those changes in the last year has been awesome. Been well, yeah, and, and even with that though, I I still think we have a I mean I I think I do. I mean I'm a little all over the place, but I think we still have plenty of examples of of being too soft handed and not being able to get a read off of what happened from our change. And so I'm just trying in, in as many cases as possible to be like, let's just go hard and then iterate. Right. And so you if know, you if can you, actually iterate, then yeah, you can always iterate. And yeah, it's and then good. it's fun. People get to try new stuff and, you know, yeah. we don't we, we don't have this. I, I think it sucks when we're like, here's a big change, except actually nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one's going to use it. And some Speaking I mean, of the drawback is, of course, if we go really hard, sometimes the changes are pretty toxic, so we need to be able to react fast. But like in this case, yeah, if 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 everybody just starts moving into defense marauders that basically have no answer, then we'll just have to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. my my main objection to that is that, you know, not that we shouldn't have to struggle sometimes. Like, you know, we don't small gang because we want it to be a a downhill stroll, um, but. I don't actually know what the answer to a Marauder is aside from more people or capitals. Yeah, it seems And so it, it doesn't, you know. Which partly makes me wonder if, if doesn't the doesn't fit into the rock, paper, than, scissors way Eve usually right, right. works. And so maybe maybe the next thing to do would rather be, rather than turning down the, the damage of the tank, try to open up a specific weakness. Um, yeah, they if they weren't the, completely immune to E-War, if they even had like the 70 or 80% that Dreads have, that would be yeah. something that you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of going hard on a new thing and then iterating, how are Treglavians doing in your <laughs> mind? <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're they're in a technical sense overpowered, <laughs> but... Um, but I'm still just super happy overall with as a line of ships. I think they're super fun. Most people like them, even though they're too strong. Most most everyone isn't frustrated by them and would rather they were really good. I don't know if that's like just because the the play style or the price or what. Like 
exactly, but I, th uh, I think it's because, like the abyssals, they don't scale particularly well. Yeah, yeah. You're so never going to see like... 300 Vedmax doing anything, you know? Yeah. But it's, so, it's yeah. odd because I like them a lot. I don't get Triglavian ships flown against me a ton, though. Like, it's, it's weird because they are really strong, but it's cost. I honestly think is, it's like, cost. Is, is it because you can get a, like, so I'm going to pick on the Vedmac. Okay. The, you can get a Vedmac fit for 300 mil and compare that to, like, 120 mil on a Nomen. And, and like, that comparison, I think. But, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, like, two and a half to three Nomens. Yeah. So, like, it, it brings back this ISK thing again. Like, yeah. I think that part in, matters for sure. Yeah, um, it's, a weird, it's a weird one because... The Vedmac like literally has a built-in plate. Uh, you know, it 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 wins in every stat. Uh, it has like the bonus Capius Newts. It has an extra mid, and it has very similar starting damage and longer range than Scorch. Um, the Nomen hits a little harder to start out. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting, right? Like, yeah, I really wish the Nomen was better. But it's it's not a vet pack. Like I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, I I think it's totally fascinating. I think also like I, I do think that price difference is a big deal. Like I don't know mm. what I don't know exactly how much better a ship that costs two and a half times as much should be than its direct competitor. But obviously, some somewhat better. <laughs> so that's part of it, I guess. But um, I think there's just so much stuff going on with tricks too. Like my experience, at least, is that. I can be completely aware of how powerful they are, but at a small scale, they feel much harder to, like, I've had trouble using them and feeling confident that I'm using them perfectly or effectively compared to other stuff. Yeah. They're, they're just, like, a little higher skill floor, and they're higher price floor for, like, for entry. They take more skills. Um, there's just a, I feel like all those little things kind of add up to make them feel okay even though they're they're stronger on paper i do think there's still though I, th there was some stuff that we gave to them to make sure that they were strong enough when they first came in that looking at the situation now just doesn't really need to be there i think the tracking on all disintegrators could definitely go down quite a bit and that built-in plate that they all have is also probably <laughs> a little excessive um, but, but also, no one really asks for trig nerfs. Like I don't. I, I I specifically remember actually suggesting in Vegas something about that, and people were like raging. They're like, "Leave them alone. They're perfect." Yeah. Back to that isk thing. Like the Draugr is my favorite ship to fly right now, and it's so strong and so fun. I mean, it's it's weak. Like I fed one to a V and I the other day because I was so hungry for a fight. But like. There's, I was soloing, so you know, but like it, there, it's so fun and strong and expensive. And I don't know, Sorry, it just did feels... you just call your destroyer weak for losing to a VNI in all range? <laughs> well, it, it was, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, an eight, it's an 800 mil destroyer versus uh, I, yeah, I tried to boosh him because like eventually I just wanted to get the fight and I had killed him earlier and he's like following me around. Yesterday. So now I don't fly it with a with a boosh. It's like Good long point idea. scram or long point web only. <laughs> but but anyway, it's it's yeah, I like it. It's uh I don't know, it's such a it's such an interesting one, the Triglavians. But yeah. 
because I mean they, they've had multiple passes now, like two or like three, probably. I think. Yeah, but Maybe most two. of them were like for the most part, we've just tried to line up bonuses on the unpopular ships to make them fit in the lineup, mm -hmm. right? Like Vedmax were just uh, kind of left out for most of the time until we switched the bonus to range and. We gave what the dragger more damage or something range. and range. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad you did that. By the way, there was only like ten of us that used it pre, and it was oh, like, yeah. really rewarding, and we felt all elite. You know, <laughs> we made it real easy for everyone, like Fade to use. And now we're not. So I cool. used it beforehand too. Uh huh. Like a 28 uh, kilometer Maison range. <laughs> I need to hear that because I, I I often imagine that like there's a set of bonuses that makes sense for a ship, and some people are going to figure out how to make it work, even though it's like got some pretty harsh trade-offs. And then in the end, everybody just wants everything to have infinite range so they don't have to think about Can't what they're doing. Confirm. It's like um, super hard to resist people. I mean, there's still people, brisk freaking Rabal, like every four days sends me a message that says the Nurgle needs a bigger range bonus. It's like, <laughs> Maybe it's a brawling yeah. ship. That's exist. Yeah, but, they, they did anyway. It's um, a good segue into a discussion that I think is is probably the biggest in this whole episode, and that's projection and range, specifically with medium weapons when you factor in uh, application as well. So the basics basis of this this kind of discussion is that how long everything's gotten and how well everything tracks makes it really really difficult to remain on grid in ways that we have in the past with with speed and sig. And like this is sort of an ignorant thing to, to blurt out randomly, but has anything changed about that actually? Has medium projection changed significantly in recent history, other than like yeah, packs you maybe had, picking yeah, up some extra range bonuses? Beams, you had beams, Be that's true. Beams, yeah. Medium yeah. auto cannons uh, have gotten big buffs. Uh, I can't yeah, remember I mean, if already got buffed. I don't think so. Rap rapid rapid lights are just like I, they haven't gotten yeah. which they've only gotten like, progressively nerfed for like four years, but yeah, yeah it's still yeah. not enough because you have you have cruiser level DPS at long range weapon range with super super low fitting. Yeah, but like the thing thing about RLMLs is like like sure they're strong against frigs, but like try flying a cruiser against multiple RLML serbs because. They apply perfectly with fury. Yeah, they'll just destroy and it's just you. Like, yeah, it's so Nothing like you can do to fight yeah. Those. So let's yeah. so basically, there's this spot on the grid where like a sweet spot, right? And that sweet spot has gotten more narrow over times as blobs fly. Like they they started flying a lot of MJD battleships with they'd get like skirmlings before they boosh. Oh, can you never release another gnosis? That would be <laughs> very <laughs> cool. Be amazing. Actually. If you just stopped uh, giving those out forever, they're so tanky. But yeah, so, yeah, the so whole like tank you have MJD this... combat probe gnosis is really a thing that I could never see again. But I really like the idea of like dramatically slashing the SOCT base HP. That's what those ships are, right? SOCT yeah, Praxis. Yeah. Like just give them really, really crappy uh, survivability stats. Like just take away hull tank. I'll be good. Take away yeah, all the hull. Yeah. yeah. Really, all you need to do is make bulkheads have a stacking penalty. Yeah, but then that would kill. I mean, I know, I know, structuring has gotten like pretty good across the board, but that seems like that would that would wreck it in a whole bunch of places, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, is it is it reasonable to get a buffer twice the size of your armor buffer capability? 
I don't know. If you can't, you can't rep. If you can't repair it, you can't have damage mods, and you can't. Uh, it does. It uh, doesn't matter when three hundred of your friends are about to land. You can't get your resists very high either. Although uh, abyss, the abyss, yeah, that's uh, the, not uh, strictly true. <laughs> the DCU mutaplasmids are pretty good and very cheap. They're still cheap, right? They were super cheap, but yeah, they're fairly cheap. Um, if you want to spend a lot of money on an abyssal DCU, you're looking at like a rolled faction one, and then you're competing with super pilots. So my this whole range thing, I think, is fascinating. Uh, my part of my read on it is that okay, well, first of all, if this range that you want to exist at, that you feel like, okay, how do I phrase this? I feel like there is this excitement about this sort of mid-range kiting that used to be extremely strong because the people you were fighting didn't know how to use the same things you were using and just do damage back to you, and now they do. And it seems very hard for me to try and design <laughs> a way for you to do damage to your enemies without them doing damage to you in this mid-range that's like makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's a yeah, it's, it's a very big problem. It is a big, <laughs> like, yeah. it's a big problem, but <laughs> the thing is what we're saying is not that like it's wrong that they can shoot back at us. It's that I can put in high grade snakes and spend three billion isk on my Orthrus or whatever. And it doesn't make a meaningful difference in terms of them being able to apply damage to me. Mm. Or, or like, how about let's even remove implants and all that stuff. What if there is a situation where transversal actually mattered? And if you're the one getting shot at, you could do things to negate the damage coming at you. When in reality, like right now, that's actually quite difficult with a, with a nano ship to mm -hmm. like, it's, it's a lot less you know, we should, damage. We should bring back proposal. old non-stacking nanos and let you guys go 10k a second again. We're not fighting at 50 kilometers anymore because people are MJDing all over us and all that. And that's some of the, a lot of that is them, you know, the tactical changes that people are making using tools that already existed. And that's I my agree. whole point is if you're not fighting at 50, you're now fighting, where are you fighting? You're not fighting if you can't fight at 50. Right. Yeah. Because you're just going to get MJD'd on. I mean, so this you're is not part fighting. of why, uh, like, I mean, I do think that there is a problem with, like, all weapon ranges kind of mushing together and not enough, like, harsh trade-offs for application and range and damage. Like, I, I agree right. that it's all kind of like this, this stoopy middle ground, or at least it feels that way because people choose to use the things that function that way, which is, which probably we should do an overhaul of all weapons and all <laughs> ammo. Um, but something that the sort of side angle at that, that I've been trying to take shots at whenever I can is uh, giving more tools to control, you know, stuff like the, like bushing, for instance, was like a really direct attempt to be like, okay, instead of making it so that, this fight works the way that it used to, where you would orbit around safely and kill idiots that were in the middle of the grid, not knowing what to do. You have to split the fleet up somehow so that you isolate stuff that you can kill where you're actually too far away for the fleet to do anything to you. And, you know, formations is another sort of example of that. Uh, MJDs were originally, like, 
good for helping control grid, but now, like you say, it's adopted. And that's always going to be a problem, I guess, is it's going to... Yeah, it, it, it's, it's there's going to be that knowledge creep, and that's always right. going to be a thing. But I think it is also Only true they never learned. <laughs> between abyssal webs and um, a couple other things, like, sure, it used to be that you could fight either inside the MJD range or outside of it, but now, you know, a Barghest or a Balgorn, anywhere between 100 and 150, it can it can turn SIBOs on, lock you, MJD, and immediately tackle you. Yeah. And then if you're further than that, you're in combat probe warp range. And there's no longer a space between immediate um, direct ship tackle projection and warpable projection, mm -hmm. which it feels like there used to be. And maybe that just was because people weren't using it, or maybe it's because abyssal modules have come in. But Pharaoh and I talk about this sometimes. And one of the things that we would probably really like is if you made the minimum warp range 250 kilometers. Yeah, I think that's really You know, and create that space again. Yeah. Because everything yeah. can project, and we can project, and they can project, but there's, there's, it doesn't feel like there's still a space where we're projecting back and forth at each other, but they can't either teleport to us or warp to us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think 250 min warp distance sounds really interesting. It's a pretty scary change, but interesting. And I think also doing some more direct stuff to break up that uh, kind of... Yes, yeah, that, I definitely... That, that, Felt you when like, you said that it all kind of is coming to the middle because, like, if you look at medium beams versus medium pulse lasers right now, the difference is tracking. Basically, mm -hmm. like medium beams do almost the same DPS. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're just right. You know. And if you go to rapid lights for high application, you get pretty much the same range. Like you, you get you get enough range that you you have no problems versus heavy missiles or hams. Like you're. There, there's enough options that are all overlapped in this same, like I project fine to 100k and apply well and do the same like middling damage that yes. uh, there is yeah, enough for sure. Distinct trade-off. I, I agree. One thing that's like, I think would alleviate this issue of existing on a grid in small gang uh, that is, is like very, it's separate from what we're talking about, but that's just like if there were more people in space to find fights because it, the pro the issues are like amplified when you're trying to fight a blob and like that everyone wants to like dunk a blob. But if there were just like a whole bunch more people spread out and getting mm -hmm. fights where you're maybe like, you know, 12 against five instead of five against 25, you know what I mean? I think that would, it, that would allow you to exist on grid more because there's less damage. Yeah. So like, I think that, I mean, I don't know how you're going to do that, CSP Rise. You can, mm -hmm. yeah, you can figure that Elements out yourself. Was a good start, but... <laughs> it actually was. It was. But, um, yeah, it's, that's the million-dollar question. It's, like, tough. Just to dip briefly into the ESS stuff that we said we may or may not talk about, but I don't know if you have looked at this or you if this is, you know, not really your department or anything, but have you noticed the dynamic bounty system causing people to spread out? Yeah, I don't know. I the the ESS and DBS stuff isn't my team's responsibility, so I haven't been watching stats on it much, and I actually don't know how they're tracking what's happening to the like distribution okay. of people. Uh, so I can't say. Um, All right, I was it, just curious if that was something that you had seen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
and I, I don't know. I don't know a ton. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I wish I knew more so, that, so I could talk about it. But. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. You, you're, you don't have every job at CCP. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna get them all eventually, uh, but now I don't. Right. I mean, ESSs are, yeah, moving people around and and stuff is an interesting aspect of the game. But you mentioned filaments, so let's talk about filaments because recently. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we ran this like public event in less than 10 where we had like 45 people in comms and I just started splitting everyone up. I was like, all right, I know this person knows how to small gang. Well, we'll throw him in a group and then we'll throw these other people who I don't know in a group. And, you know, I know that they have a, a certain level of competence because I know some of the people there and I know they'll be able to help them out and get them going. And then everyone started yeeting. And something happened that I noticed happened when Eat Filaments first came out, and that's was that was you you would yeet out with the signal filaments that put you into like populated areas, and we we had like four fights between groups because there was like seven different gangs yeah. eating nice. at the same time, and I thought it was super cool because that like I really missed that aspect of eating when they first came out like back in December. Right after you announced, right after you were on, on the podcast last time, actually, um, you kind of you hinted at them during that podcast, and when oh, they funny. came out, that's that's what I found was like I ran into people when I was eating who were looking to PvP, and they would draw, I'd kill them, and they drop filaments, or they'd kill me, and it was definitely people eating, fighting other people that were eating, and it was a really cool thing. So like. Do you have anything to any like? Have you looked at filament use? Or is yeah, it still similar? I was just trying like, to pull it up again, but um, filament use is incredibly consistent, and it's interesting how sometimes it feels like I know I heard a lot of uh, sort of anecdotes that people were running into. Like right after we launched it, there was like people running into smaller home defense fleets because there were these filament groups coming through that were smaller, so they didn't have to form as big, and then the filament. The, the yeet groups are running into each other. I heard a lot about that at the start and then haven't heard as much uh, lately, but I don't remember when they launched. We made them permanent like in March or something last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. that's when they went. Yeah, they they came out in December for the Christmas event and then they were ex extended until they were permanent. Started back to the, the very beginning of last year, this thing I'm looking at here and like characters jumped. Of course, when they first launched was the absolute highest. But it's by by March when they went permanent. Like there's the same amount of characters using filaments yesterday as there was when they went permanent in March. Like it's wow. super solid, just the same all the time. Interesting. I actually wonder um, how much the uh, the scarcity changes affected that. Not because it affected how many people are eating, but because it deleted off a lot of the hotspots that people were signal filamenting to. It's possible. Um, because a lot of the time it feels like if you take a signal or a noise, like, you know, who knows, you're going to end up in a system with like two VNIs ratting because that's the activity that's out there. Yeah, but I don't know how much different that was a year ago. Like, I mean, I'm sure it was different, but I'm not sure. I, I don't know enough about how people are especially how PVE activity, but even how any activity is distributed and know well enough to know like how it would have affected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just where... speculation on my part. Um, but it does feel like we're landing, 
you know, signal filamenting is landing in a lot more places than it used to. Hmm. I mean, the way that the only the way that works is is really simple. There's just some pretty relaxed criteria because because obviously with the noise filament we take all the null systems and then we just random one and with uh, signal filaments we take all the null systems and then we clip off the ones that don't meet some some prerequisite so it doesn't like try to focus you towards the most activity it just says is there at least x amount of activity and if so keep it on the list and then pick from that list and okay. i don't remember exactly what it uses to make the list but it's like some basic map stats, you know, it's like routing activity and jumps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the bar is pretty low, so you can end up in, you yeah. know, if the system had a little bit of routing and a little travel, that's enough probably to make it still into that list of active systems. Have you guys thought of different types of filaments? I think maybe it was Feyrell that mentioned it, something like a small gang fight Philly for like fighting another like five or ten man gang randomly. Like it would put you in an arena with them? No, no, no. Just like in the same constellation, whatever, within mm. like a ten jump range of another Yeet gang, anything like that, or oh, even of just funny. like of kill males with five to ten people on them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it would be pretty I, hard to. I haven't made sort that any filaments since those, but every team, every other team in the company has been making filaments for everything else. Like we have potch filaments, and we have the event filaments that go to the weather systems and we have the proving grounds filament so i don't know people are trying all kinds of different stuff with the system but i don't think any of them are trying to target like small num you know yeah. get small roaming fleets to run into each other um at least not outside of putting them into because they what they had the snowstorm filaments that went to like wherever there was yeah to those storms to like sort of a smaller pool of systems, so that's kind yeah, of like that, true. I guess. Yeah, because it was yeah. separated by take me to a low sex storm, take me to a high sex storm, take me to yeah. a null sex storm. So it was pretty limited. We're my my closest thing to this going on right now is we're probably going to be uh, taking a couple passes at Poshvin, and I think it has the potential to be this like concentrated small roaming thing. So hopefully we can start trying to facilitate that a bit with some changes there, but. We'll see. It's a big ball of yarn yeah, to try and untangle. But. <laughs> we've been we've been talking about that too, and like we all, you know, on all my really expensive ship now, I carry a two Pochvin and a two adjacent system from Pochvin filament because yeah. it's the easiest way to get yourself yep safe. Um, yep. But the the combination of the way the standing system accumulates where you only get credit for your highest kill in the last tick and the levels that you need to move around in Pochfit make it quite daunting to get involved. Yeah. I really feel like maybe it'd be great if there just wasn't really big gates in the way to use this new area. <laughs> <laughs> Many people feel that way, it turns out. I don't know. I like we'll, we'll, we're, we're, we're poking around. I, yeah. I think there's a ton of potential there and Lots of I like the like the try. sort of thematic way where you have to like you know earn favor with the trigs to use their new stuff like that you know yeah. on, a, on a lore level like I'm totally yeah. on board. I just wish you know I could just kill 300 rats in a row and get credit for all of them and not get credit for two of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's fair. Yeah, we'll see. I got a bunch of 
I don't know. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff the team that was working on Potch wanted to be able to do and weren't able to get time for. And there's other stuff that I want to <laughs> try out and that our team wants to take a look at. And I don't know how much time we'll get either to look at it, but it's it's definitely on the list. I feel like, I, I don't know, just the the cover letter for Poshven that it's a uh, no capital null sec that's near high sec seems like it ought to be a dream come true. So I feel like we should just keep messing with it until there's some yeah. cool stuff going on there. Well, like you were saying earlier, big changes and then iterations. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, we'll see. You mentioned formation warping earlier when we were talking about ranges and separation and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you were involved in a lot? Yeah. I know yeah, you yeah, talked yeah. about it on various podcasts and things that I, or yep. streams, I guess. That how's was, how's that response been that you've seen so far? I mean, it's been a funny journey. It was like, uh, you know, when we first announced it, everyone just rolled their eyes and were like, this wasn't isn't going to matter. And then once we told them how it worked, everyone was like, this is crazy. It's going to break everything. Small gang is dead. Fleet, fleets are going to only be slippery peats. And, you know, Eve as we know it is not going to exist. And then since it's been out... It's been like weirdly quiet. There's been certainly people using it, and I've heard or seen like specific cases that are that seem very powerful. But obviously, adoption is not huge yet. Yeah, and the skill train and everything takes. Yeah, a I don't. I don't know if it's the if it's that's all there is to it, or if people need to just be convinced by seeing some cool stuff happen. Or if actually it's just not that good, <laughs> I don't know. I, but. I think warping a ball of dictors around people at twenty kilometers and creating a hundred kilometer wide bubble field seems like something people would want. It seems good, yeah. And I, I know that like the one of the first things I saw was just big blobs using it to spread out their megathrones so they don't all get bombed and so they all track better. That seems pretty good too. And then there was like Bjorn ran three days in a row running fleets where he just constantly relative warp ping to snipe people and never be caught like there's a bunch of stuff that that seems super good but uh yeah, the yeah i've definitely seen well. like the i forget who it was was doing raptor fleets where they would just relative warp until their raptors were right on top of you really yep they just I mean, that was one the... out front and just you know essentially uh -huh. you've got 40 raptors that can boosh now chasing you yeah i mean and that sounds like what the 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 big fear going in was people be like, now the Jaguars don't even have to burn. They're going to be just in a giant <laughs> square and it's going to catch you no matter what you do. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that'll happen, but it's weird that now it's been a couple weeks and I have yet to hear horror stories of Jaguar balls. Like, I guess I haven't, I haven't registered it being used against me yet. Um, I haven't but seen I think, it used, but I, I'm stoked because I, especially after watching the the first step Bjorn was doing, I was like, like yes, and this is powerful. And maybe if it becomes automatic, like there's sort of a program for how you run it to make it really safe to run, sort of like really consistent. Then maybe maybe it causes issues. But especially with relative warping, what I've seen looks like pretty sweet for a small gang because it's like a fleet volunteering to split themselves up. Like, like it yeah. can be strong, but like they're, they're 
it takes it takes a brain to do it without just isolating your own ships, you know. But yeah, it only takes think, one brain. Right. It only takes <laughs> yeah. one brain. No, 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 thing. no, no. And That's, I think we're gonna see the same I mean, thing where like you know, we all know that when we see Rosemary M's Golem on grid, like that thing's bling to the teeth and we should probably leave. It's gonna be like that. We're like, oh, the guy who knows how to do this is here. Now we have to watch out for it. I mean, when you start seeing that, definitely let me know. Cause I, I, I thought that was gonna be I mean, it everyone seemed sure that was gonna be very fast to be the case. And so far I haven't heard anything about it. And instead what I've seen is what looks like a lot of brain requirements on people other than the FC, because like, especially for the relative warping, they got to be in a position that makes sense. They got to get there themselves. Yeah. And like, I was one of these Bjorn fleets, which I know, you know, it's streamer fleet. It's kind of like, it's not the most min maxi thing, but he's trying to ask a bunch of randoms one at a time to spread out into this like ball that he can warp around. And they're going all over the place. Like they're going too far for him to warp or they're going too close for him to warp or they're, randomly getting engaged on like separate from the fleet before he wants to work that direction like it seems great for everyone just like there's yeah. potential power here for the fleet using it but it takes yeah. enough coordination that there's going to be tons of mistakes which is good yeah the, i agree the I only really... thing that i dislike about it is the spammable relative warping and like that's the only thing i don't like about it when it when it hit sissy i logged on to sissy with my alt in a boucher and I propped away and then hit my MJD and then hit relative warp to myself over and over again, like with two yeah. characters. So you know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah, I mean, that's, seems, that's the only part I don't like. Like when we, when we figured out how we were going to do relative warp, uh, we, uh, had the expectation originally that we would never be able to allow that. So we'd have to set up some restriction that like someone couldn't be picked up if they were, far enough away for you to warp to them or whatever. And then we're like, yeah. meh, maybe it's fine. And it's crazy. Like, it's a crazy thing to allow, but figured why not, yeah. you know, same spirit as everything else we're talking about here. Like, let's let it roll. And if it turns out to be really obnoxious, that's a very easy thing to change. We can make the big change and change min warp distance. Yeah. Um, or we can do the small thing and change the relative behavior so that it doesn't pick up people that you warp to yeah. or that are too close or whatever. I think it'll be interesting to see once we get some some sizable nullsec fights that aren't just ten thousand percent tie dye. Yeah. Um, if we get some like, you know, hundred on hundred, two hundred on two hundred kind of fights, because some of the stuff that we used to see with the, you know, when you could boosh infinite number of fleetmates with a command destroyer, we'd see these you know raven balls jumping all over the place. Yeah. And now with a, like a cloaked alt who's competent, you could theoretically kind of do that again. I mean, it's really different than that though, because with the booshing, you don't lose locks, you don't lose your weapon damage, you don't have to do the align yeah. time and uh, whatever. Like, I mean, it's I, I, you it's have to be for sure. You all have to not... be aligned for the boosh anyway, kind of. I guess not. Well, yeah. Like hyper. The thing is, is like a combat probing hyper dictor will just end people from doing this right because that's a thing you can do and it only takes one and you do that and get a bubble and then you you know then yeah. what then you can't work right. but if, depending on how the bubble goes you split the fleet in half as they're working around that was another thing i saw in the few like footage of people trying to use it a lot is when you do when you're on a fight grid and you do warps constantly 
it, it's hard to keep the fleet from getting all split up. Like, yes. yeah. you end up torn up by bubbles or having pieces lagging behind because they aligned a little slower or whatever, and pretty soon you you aren't so coordinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's we'll interesting. It I think, you know, hopefully we'll see it getting used a little more as people finish training the skills. I know a couple of people, like I know 3 tier started training it immediately and just finished like two days ago getting yeah, the relative warp stuff. Um, it's cool if, uh, I was surprised we expected, <laughs> I mean, not not expected, but I checked what happened with injections when we launched it to see how many FCs like needed it that day. And injection, scale injection didn't change at all. Like no noticeable change whatsoever, but it, but tons of people put it in their queue. So there definitely is like a uh, plenty. Yeah, of I think everyone's that. still thinking like if this training queue will give me time to think about what to do with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there'll be some interesting use cases. Like if you can just walk bombers up a hundred kilometers at a time across a grid, that gives you some mobility on grid that you might not otherwise have, especially if there's bubbles around things. Like yeah. That. I feel like there's gotta be, gotta be some, but I'm not sure a lot of it applies tremendously to flying or fighting small gang. I mean, the biggest one I think is like the, just like the jag ball of, of you, you know, you just slingshot, in a sphere, but the thing is, is, it needs such high numbers to be reliable because yeah, you, those spheres are randomly distributed, so you they to are like have any kind of saturation or any kind of like predictability to what's going to happen. You need a ton of them, and well, ideally, you <laughs> want to land them in the furthest away from you half of the sphere, right. and the more range you have, the more potential win you have. But you also and, have you know more you range of your... bad warpins. Yeah, you, you, you could end yeah. up with everybody in the wrong side of the fight, or you could end up with only one person who's like now whatever 80k from everyone else. Exactly. And then maybe works, but well, and that's it could be fun for small gang too, because like that's I mean, having somebody isolated 80k is like how you get kills. You exactly kite, you turn on things that get isolated, you kill them, you kite, like rinse and yeah. repeat, right? That's there was so. You know, seeing everyone be really scared that it was gonna stomp on small gang because you would be able to surround people. Like you could already warp in front of people if you had if you had a ton of people and you're able to like have someone running around getting warpins for you or probing or whatever. You could already warp all over the grid a lot, and this way just means you can do it more easily, but with a lot less control. Like mm -hmm. there's 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 so much opportunity to mess up <laughs> because you're yeah. I mean, it depends on which formation you use, and maybe, like I said, I, I was worried, and still, I think it's possible that someone finds a way to do it consistently, at least at some certain critical mass where there isn't a lot of risk, but just that I don't think it's something you just walk out the door and start owning small groups by clicking the button. Like, I think you, if you do that, you, you split your fleet up and you get owned. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely anxious to see it like in use and see how it works in in practice rather than just in theory send me some rage first time you get, <laughs> you get a Man, I, never, I never fucking rage that's the problem with me i need to rage more <laughs> yeah you can tell because how many podcast uh, episodes you have like if you were a proper eve rager you'd have quit after like 20 years <laughs> i tried man i tried <laughs> <laughs> uh, well one thing i think you guys have been doing really well lately well, I mean, not so much like lately, but in the last couple of years is capital, iterating on capitals. Um, I think capitals are in a really good spot now uh, relative to small here. gang. Um, yeah, like relative to small gang. I mean, yeah, hot dreads are annoying, but like 
you know, you can leave and you can also yeah, punish can, Audra. There are ways. You can play around like, them on the grid yeah, too because they're them. so immobile. Yep. You know, and carriers, I mean, carriers, like, yeah, you took my SIG away from my hacks and that was, you know, they're going to hit those harder. But, but carriers are way like less used and strong than they were before. I have no idea why people don't use faxes against small gangers that aren't Goran Clade because no one can really, like, they tank so much. Anyway, I hope people aren't listening to this that w- that are in Nullblobs. But, like, you know, what, wh- where are you at now on Capitals? How are you feeling about them? I mean, it's great to hear that report. I'm pretty stoked because they were a huge focus for, like, all of last year. We did three or four passes, like, targeting different parts of the capital climate and it felt pretty daunting coming into it like uh felt really tough to get them into a healthier place yeah they're like matters so much to everyone they're uh they're like they need to deliver on i think we always really struggle when stuff needs to deliver on a whole bunch of different goals at once like capitals need to be consistent with this idea of kind of a horizontal progression where there isn't just an end game where everyone's flying the same ship, but also they need to somehow be the most aspirational and awesome thing. They need to sort of be functional in PVE because it's one of the only ways they get isolated. They need to be part of the escalation chain for big objective fights, but not be the starting point for it. So there's room for subcaps. Like whenever we have, you know, all of these kind of requirements stacked up, it's really tough to find like a healthy spot where where most everyone's happy, especially when there's like wormholes and low set and you know, every every little piece of the ecosystem has different issues. I think we were, I don't know, like had pretty um, like tempered expectations, <laughs> I did at least, about our ability to like make big improvements. But I I think we really have. It feels like it's in a way better spot going into last year. It was like kind of all we heard about from every angle is that capitals were causing huge issues and we're not hearing that now, but we haven't ruined them. Like they yeah. still get used constantly. There's pretty similar, I think, kind of rates for losses, at least for like carriers and dreads that there was before. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, I'm stoked. And you guys, I don't yeah. think it's done, but like it, it feels like we made really good steps. Like removing Haas from Titans, you know, that was big. Um, and, and like just the application on fighters, I think, is probably the biggest one as far as like strictly ship changes. Because other than hitting all the stats and stuff, I mean, you guys gutted Sinos, which was needed and very mm-hmm. wise. I mean, um, I think that's almost the, the biggest one because it's so easy to predict when they're coming now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was a... Yeah, and it's that easier was a to change. escape. Yeah, it was a sweet change. It was awesome. But we, we're seeing now um, additional Sinos added back into the game, right? So we had the first yeah. anchorable Sino, with, which is basically meant, the way I interpret it, it's, it's an answer to the people saying, like, well, how am I going to move my carrier five, you know, five Sinos now by myself? Like I used to be able to do that. Now I can't because it's a 250 mil Sino that's going to die a bunch of times, right? Yeah. So is, was that that was kind of the the use case for it, right? Yeah, that was the like since since the since the Sino change, that was the use case that kind of felt the most pain. Was exactly what you said. I want to move my carrier a few jumps. I don't want to 
lose a recon or two trying to do it since that costs like half as much as my cap does that feels pretty oppressive yeah. um so can i please have some option that doesn't bring back any of the issues of like dropping caps indiscriminately in every possible situation and this is hopefully an answer for that um we'll see how it goes i have heard that that it's finding its way into relevance in some combat situations already so um, which is fine at, you know to some extent um but we need to keep an eye on it and make sure that it doesn't take over for recons in a lot of the places where going to recons was a big improvement. Um, mm -hmm. And then long run, if it turns out that this sort of paradigm works really well, we, we also kind of like the idea of moving from recons to deployables for all sinotypes and then just having, having a rule set and a cost that matches with the power that, that you get at each kind of step in functionality. So you'd have like a combat Sino that has a tank on yeah. it versus the non-combat travel Sino that's just like- Exactly. Kind of yep. thing. And it would cost a bunch more and would have different deploy times and whatever. Um, just because it's like the, these kind of mini objectives that are worth fighting over that are, that we don't force someone in a ship to just sit and do nothing to create feels good. Like right now, recons are kind of weirdly twisted into this role of being a deployable, which, you know, you, you can fly around to position and stuff, of course, but you basically need to have an alt and you need to be willing to kind of sit still and not contribute much when the sign is active. And it'd be, seems like a much better experience if that's just a, an actual little piece of infrastructure you throw out that people can fight over and then you can, you can do that from you can go do something Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing, and it's kind of like the counterpoint to this anchorable Sino is the anchorable, you know, Sino oppressor, the, uh, the, the Sino inhib. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that people would yell at me if I didn't bring up is resist on Sino inhibs. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Uh, yeah, I was about to do that. I had that authored like <laughs> a couple times last year. I think one of the times though was right when we decided to make the Sino change. And so it was like, all right, if we're, we're putting this pretty massive nerf on what's possible with Sinos. We don't need to be as aggressive about um, making inhibs more powerful, um, since now you're going to get to kill recons, which is at least we can see how that goes. And then I feel like there was one other time, too, we were talking about it. But I don't know. It's probably fine. could probably do that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to the it list. just feels like a lot of the ships that you try to Sino inhib against can just easily clear uh -huh. them themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, without requiring any assistance or anything. Yeah. Um, and because of the the way the resistor is structured, you can't remote wrap right. them in any really functional way. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's um, uh, even if the EHP stays the same, but it switches to be more resist based, that might. Yeah, make a difference um, in terms of then you can bring a scimitar or something. Like it's weird now that it's zero resist and that you there's absolutely no chance of keeping it alive. I think the only thing we would have to be careful about is if it gets to enough resist, then uh, a big group can keep it alive no matter what in all cases. You know, if you have like outside of getting dd or whatever, so we would need to find a middle ground. But I, I'm sure that's possible. I don't see why it shouldn't yeah. have like normal tech one ship resist or something like that. And we could turn down the uh, HP if we need to, but. And you're gonna. We should probably start like moving to wrap up pretty quick, Rez. Um Yeah. If we could touch on longer. implants real quick. Yeah, yeah, we can. I know Casper wanted to talk yeah. about that. Um, mostly, 
I think people feel it the most with the Nirvanas and Losec and stuff where, you know, the initial idea was like, yeah, they'll give a big shield extension bonus, but they'll reduce regen. So the regen stays the same or something, but mm-hmm. they ended up just being a big shield extension bonus, which then is a big regen bonus. Yep. How do you feel about like where those landed? I don't know. I should probably go. I haven't really looked much at it. Uh, like I don't. I don't feel like I have a great beat on where they are right now. I I know that the the original plan that was pitched to do the recharge change was like a pretty comprehensive recharge change, but it wasn't mine, so I don't know exactly what the details were. And then when I started looking at it, I was like, uh, like we could probably just do it with just the flat HP and accept the fact that there'll be stronger regen. And then if there's some, some, some specific, I, I assume that if it broke, like if the regen, you know, gained by the added HP was problematic, we would just see those certain cases stick out and we could hit them specifically rather than going after like recharge as a holistic topic. But, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard much about whether or not there's those cases. I think the one Casper really wanted to talk about was the like the use case of an example would be like the flycatcher where you end up with like a shield buffer of 30k EHP and like 350 DPS peak regen um, stuff like that which is just absurdly broken. I mean, yeah, I feel like all of I mean, I don't know this. I totally might be too much, and we need to put some recharge penalties or or look at something else right. to help with that but i just have so many issues with kind of the implant system uh that are more high level like it's so lame that you can't see yeah. when a ship you're gonna fight is gonna have crazy implant granted bonuses and that you can't catch the pod ever and that even if you do you don't get any rewards from it like it, it breaks all the or breaks a lot of the paradigms that work really well on ships, like ships you can see before you engage a lot about what the ship is doing, and then if you manage to kill it, you obviously destroy a bunch of stuff on the ship, and then a bunch of the rest of it's offered as a reward, but implants are this weird, like, they're just so weird. Like, they they, they don't make any sense at all in, in a lot of null stuff, because, or wormhole stuff, I mean, People use them, of course, but like you, you can't ever be sure if you're going to be able to keep them alive. And then in low and high sec, you always can. Um, and then when you die, if it's not Easter or whenever we did that, you you yeah. don't get anything out of it. Like I, I would just love to fix a bunch of that stuff. I think we should have also like it's so hard to figure out for people which implants to use and why. We should have like a fitting screen for implants. It's just it's it's one of the systems that we've inherited from like 2006 Eve that for whatever reason hasn't really had any modernization other than adding more content. Like we we keep adding implant sets, but we haven't really gone back to try and improve. I think like an implant system overhaul and a drone system overhaul would both be really interesting to try and tackle. Yes. Well, one thing with the implants is the, I mean, we just saw a, a change that's pretty huge actually for implants and that's yeah, you yeah. can have more than, yeah, the one clone. Yep. So like I'm in the process of moving all my clones into Thera now, which is super nice. dope. But man, yeah, it, I would send a case of beer to whoever makes makes it so that I can hot swap in stations. Yeah. That's for sure. But Henry, he's a bro. Uh, he deserves a beer. 
Yeah, it's been nice to see the you know the new interface, everything that like it's being worked on. Yeah, I would. I mean, yeah, it's awesome that that's finally in. Also, that's something that we should have had 15 years ago. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes with implants and clones that could use the same kind of path. It's not just small gangers too. It's like uh, I've had people in high sec be like, "Oh, well, I can't come roam with you like on public fleets." So like, "Oh, I I just jumped into my learning clone, or I just jumped." here and I can't switch out of it now because they don't want to go put their clone in like a public citadel or something like that, right? So, I mean, it could could help more than the, the yeah, greedy yeah. small gangers who like sometimes just want to feed in a 50 mil T1 cruiser and not lose snakes. <laughs> yeah, I really, I, um, I definitely feel like anytime, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in a bunch of different cases, but anytime someone wants to be playing and they can't because a system is stopping them from doing it, we should really think about that system. Like if if I want to go feed in a 50 mil cruiser and instead I log off because I'm in an expensive clone, like we got a problem, you know? All right, guys. Well, uh, any shout outs? Uh, shout out my boys in Talos. Shout out my boy uh, CCP Signal for being the for being the best uh work family ever and, and getting oh. stuff done you know been a fun it's been a really fun couple years at work where we're uh like there's always so much more to do but it feels like we've we've gotten to do a lot of cool cool stuff and everyone's excited about it and uh so i'm just dude talus is amazing like and forgive me for thinking this but every you know maybe i'm exaggerating but every day i get up like in you know in a cold sweat like <laughs> that i had a nightmare that ccp pulled talos to go work on some bullshit other thing yeah. i mean i keep <laughs> wondering when that ball's gonna drop too but it hasn't yet and right yeah it hasn't i i'm just really excited about i feel like we've we spent uh several years kind of feeling around for the right goals for veteran teams like trying to figure out what the right like kind of north star was for the teams working on veteran stuff and this team feels like the best version of that to me, which is like making sure we said this, you know, 16 months ago in Vegas or whatever, like making sure people have stuff to look forward to and that they're challenged consistently. And I feel like that paves the way for us to like do much faster changes, to hop around between topics, to like just basically be focused on keeping things interesting rather than chasing some like more, uh, I don't know, strict version of health or whatever, which we're also doing at the same time. Like the eco team is really focused on trying to like manage the economy and keep things like fair and whatever. But yeah. I, I just, this, this like keep people excited about coming to try new stuff and figure new things out feels like such a fun goal to work on. And I think it's shown a lot of value. So hopefully we get to keep doing it. The rapid changes are so important. Like, even if I don't agree with the changes, all of the changes you guys make, it, it's okay. I'd still rather have that change. Right. Like, you know, the recent hack change. Sure, I, I if it was 100% up to me, I would have done it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. but, that, but that's okay. Yeah. Those consistent changes are what he needs. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I'm a tunnel vision small ganger, so <laughs> it would probably be bad. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, as much fun as it is for me to toot Talos horn and whatever, I do think this was like, this was a something we were trying to find the right structure for for a long time. Like, I was on a lot of different pieces of the, the CCP structure and pieces of different teams that were trying to get to this, but couldn't quite figure it out. And it, it took a long time, but I feel like it's, you know, a lot of the leadership 
paving the way for this are the same leadership that was around before when we were trying to figure it out and we just couldn't figure out the the best configuration and for now at least this is working well That's so really I'm, good. I'm, yeah i'm stoked about that and yeah awesome yeah. well guys let's let's call it here then i think fun to talk to you guys yeah it was awesome dude thanks for thanks for coming out and uh maybe we we won't wait so long for the third yeah, appearance sounds good <laughs> All right, guys, check out uh, 07coffeecompany.com. They'll ship to your door. And just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.